But we have a super special episode coming at you guys today. This is Ron Michael, and we met a little bit under a year ago, about yeah, a year about ago a year. now. Yep. And the first time I ever met with him, I sat him down and he said he had this intense story. And I'm like, well, I've worked with a lot of people that have intense stories. Never have I heard a story like this one. So Ron, before we dive into all these quantum formulas mm-hmm. and all these amazing things that you do and iridology, looking at people's eyes and teaching them what that could mean for mm-hmm. them and how you work with all of that. Let's go way, way back and learn about how this all began. You mm-hmm. had a recycling business in yeah. New York City. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Just a master recycler yes. in your 20s. Exactly. Yeah. Started that early 20s. <clears throat> and uh, before that, I was actually a commodity futures broker. Uh, in Chicago, and during the crash of '87, was able to masterfully do some, make some moves that helped me generate the revenue to bring back to New York again to open up a recycling business that really shifted the paradigm and changed the way people looked at recycling. There was a lot of things going on, of course, in that industry that required some shifting and changing, and so there was yeah there were some interesting things that happened as a result of that. So um, after pretty much mastering that, I was uh, on my way to sell that business um, when this this in, this uh, accident happened, where um, that brought me through this journey. So we're going back to that, um, where uh, I was driving my car and a Mack truck was coming the other way uh, and was trying to avoid another car that was pulling out and just barely came into my lane and caught the front of my bumper about four inches according to the accident reconstruction specialist. But this happened at 70 miles an hour. So not only was my car stopped dead, but the truck kept going, of course, as the result of the momentum, spun my car around, moved it over the side of the road. And um, next thing I know, after hearing the loudest noise of my life, I was actually floating above the scene of the accident in typical near-death experience fashion and looking at myself pinned in the car and um, I was like, okay, I had been, luckily, uh, I certified hypnotherapist. I, this happened when I was 28. So when, uh, when I was 17, I became certified as a hypnotherapist in New York City. And uh, I utilized th- that principle um, and the experience that I had with bringing people back to past lives and things like that to really know at that moment, okay, I'm in a near-death experience right now. I know what's going on here. <clears throat> this is not good, but I knew how to navigate a little bit. So the uh, the next thing I knew, I was being like drawn away from the scene of the accident toward these three columns of light that were very familial, very bright, and <clears throat> it, it really felt good. So the communication uh, was, as most near-death experiences are, okay, it's not your time. If you choose, you can exit or if you choose you can stay and the communication was if you do stay you'll not only survive and me thinking about how I was looking back at sort of so to speak at my uh, body and it crushed in this car that looked like an accordion at that point Um, but I would thrive and the things that I would learn along my journey would be able to help shift the paradigm as as far as the way we look at health and the way we look at ourselves and the reality in general. And of course now, this was 1993, of course now we know that everything is energy and things like that. So we're looking at things, we're trying to shift the paradigm into knowing that everything that is physical now 
um, is just made up of energy. So they also told me that um, <clears throat> there would be different things downloaded to me at that time that would reveal themselves as became necessary over the years. And that has definitely happened. And it's helped me develop a practice where I'm able to bring different things to people that are just totally out of the realm uh, that we're used to here in the physical reality. So, And what year did this accident happen? Nine, 93. 93. Got it. Yeah. And so you decided to come back to your body. <clears throat> yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, I think so. <laughs> not are quite here, sure. Here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if and when you came back to the body, <clears throat> yeah. what, what was the experience like? What, what happened when you woke up? All right. So the I had another near-death experience type of thing in the helicopter on the way to the hospital. Okay. So but, they had to helicopter you oh, yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. And in New I, York City. Yeah. That's not easy. Actually, it was out on Long Island, oh, thank, thankfully. I mean, even. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little bit easier. But... Um, yeah, so uh, got to the hospital. <clears throat> I was um, in a coma, and uh, doctors, after they examined me and everything, uh, reported back to my family. They said, "Well, there's so much damage. He's in a coma. Uh, he has so much. There's so much spinal cord damage. The only time we've seen this kind of spinal cord damage is in a cadaver. In other words, we've never seen anyone look live through it." 18 herniated discs, other spinal cord flattening, tons of other spinal cord damage, shattered hip, jaw, 24 broken bones, all sorts of uh, organ damage, internal bleeding, all these different things. And they're like, to my family, if he does wake up, he's going to be a vegetable, or he'll. we don't even know if, if he uh, will be able to walk again. He may be paralyzed. So that was, that was the state I was in when I got to the hospital. But... <clears throat> After about a week, um, I um, I woke up, realized what was going on, seeing my literally waking up, being in traction, tied down to the bed. Uh, after I found I found out why later on, because I was trying to escape uh, because of the brain injury and stuff like that. But um, it was like, okay, I really got to do my work now. So I reincorporated some of the principles that I developed and learned through the hypnosis, moving energy through my body. Uh, kind of Joe Dispenza style, even though I never heard of that before, moving light and energy and geometries, different colors and things through the body enables to it enables us to accelerate the healing process. Yeah. So question, when you were in the hospital and this was all happening, what was your state of mind in the hospital? Were you all hope or were you doing all these things because you were like, holy crap, this is not OK? Like, yeah. was it was it out of fear or was it out of hope or certainty or what was driving you to do all these like try all these things yeah great question it, it was definitely a, a balance a mixture of both it was um the i i'm not going to allow this to happen to myself um this is not happening kind of thing and the hope and knowledge um that i gained from over years of experience with di with different energetic practices and things knew that there was a potential and a possibility uh, a great high possibility and probability that I would be able to transcend this. So that was going on. And me not taking no for an answer as far as what these doctors were telling me. Absolutely not going to happen. Now you, at the same time, you must have been on a lot of medications. Yeah. <clears throat> and this is what... It's so hard to like hold on to your psyche mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. you're when you're on a lot of these things. Like you said, like you woke up and you realized you were strapped down. Yeah. And you didn't remember why they had to tell you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
So yeah, really good point. Really good point. And even though I was able to get myself out of the hospital in less than three months, they did some surgery on my hip. Uh, so I was walking again, but, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, um, the fact that, like you just said, I was on so many medications, I was, uh, literally bogged down by them. Um, even though I was walking and I was functioning again, um, it took me, it really started taking me down and, uh, affected my faculties and everything. So like the condensed story of the next 20 years would be that I'd be on all these meds, have side effects from the meds, and it was suggested by the doctors and um, that, you know, oh, you have this side effect, we have another medication for that side effect, which created five more side effects and built up to the, the point where I was taking between 12 and 16 different prescriptions every single day for more than 20 years. After a while, um, I was asking doctors, how do I get off of this? Can you detox me? Oh no, you have so much damage here and you'll be in so much pain. Five different narcotics at the same time. Literally, they, I was being written for morphine, diluted, methadone, and, um, and another one that I can't remember right now, but five different narcotics and anti-anxiety medications that were, uh, that were just ravaging my system. Um, in the course of those 20 years, I would go through more than 70 surgeries, have six hip replacements, uh, be told Both hips or one hip? just on one hip and doctors couldn't believe it, but five failed. <clears throat> and at one point I was in a wheelchair for six and a half years straight, uh, a failed hip replacement, uh, for 22 months. It was dislocated. The hip replacement broke and dislocated. The pain was so blinding. I was on 1400 milligrams of morphine a day. And um, doctors told me there's really no hope that I'd ever walk again. Every single New York City, best New York City hospitals uh, told and didn't want to even operate on me. I literally saw 15 different doctors that said there's no hope. Um, they wanted to take the broken hip replacement out, but uh, that would guarantee that I had no chance of ever walking again. And um, I basically gave them the proverbial finger and said, you know what, I am going to find somebody that's smarter than you that well and the technology will change but i'll sit in this wheelchair as long as it takes but i will guarantee you i'm walking back into the into your office right here on my own two feet guaranteed so i did not give up and there's there's hope for everybody who gets these type of you know oh this is hopeless type of situation because we have the power within us every single person does to move through these type of things with the right support and just knowing that there's with all the power we need, it, it lies within us. So now 20 years <clears throat> is yeah. a really long time. Oh my God, like, yeah. like you talk about this story, like, oh yeah, for 20 years I did this. <laughs> and then it was, and I'm like, man, there's a lot of living in those 20 years. Yeah. Like, what was the rest of your life like? Was it all steered and controlled by this situation? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What, what were you doing to like pay bills? Yeah, and, great question. I, I mean, I had sold the business eventually. Um, it took me seven years, but I had a good chunk from that, thank God. And, um, you know, there were insurance payments and things like that going on. So I was blessed with that. But it was very difficult and I needed a lot of help, especially being in a wheelchair for that long. There were very few things that I was able to do and the amount of pain I was in and the drugs I was on. I, it was basically, you know, just like watching the clock turn and, you know, there was not much really I could do. Do you still have broken bones or, or bones that healed that didn't heal the way they 
should have healed to, to have like optimal function? Like, do you still have lingering things? Yeah, definitely. And, and the hip, of course, I have three plate, three plates, 30 screws and this other device that's uh, keeping my hip together. They actually had to cut my leg, the femur two inches shorter. So the left leg is two inches shorter. So there's a lot going on. It affects my back, have the 18 herniated discs. So those are under control, but there's a lot that goes on with that. So it's a really good question. Incredible. And then once you walked away, yeah, mm -hmm. once you rolled away <laughs> in the wheelchair, it's right. not funny, but you know, it's interesting it to be. think yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. now it is. <laughs> so once you did that, how long did it take you from the time you left that office to getting to the point where you could walk? Wow. Um, yeah, that's a good question. I haven't thought about that. Um, well, I found a surgeon. It probably took a couple of years. It did take two years. Um, to find a surgeon who was willing to operate on me. And um, I credit that man with with saving my life and, and, and giving me life again, the ability to live. And um, once I that surgery was successful, it took me about another two and a half years to rehabilitate to where I could walk without crutches or a walker or anything like that. So it was quite a quite a journey. And what was going on with the organ damage? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I had... Um, the liver and um, and spleen were bruised and there was some liver damage, um, which I, I don't even get to that part, um, was also exacerbated by the medications. And what really brought me to the point where um, I kind of gave up on Western medicine and knew that they couldn't do any more for me um, is when after begging these doctors to get off these narcotics, um, I was walking again. Um, they ensured me that I needed this for the rest of my life, the, all the nerve damage. I mean, there's so, so many other things going on. Nerve damage, this herniated disc, these uh, hip, <clears throat> that the pain would be so great that even if I did detox from the pain medications, that I would need to go right back on them because there's nothing non-narcotic to take care of that kind of pain. So um, <clears throat> uh, w during a quote-unquote routine uh, office visit, some blood was drawn, some tests were taken. Uh, they called me up. Oh, you know, we'd like to come in. We'd like you to come in to discuss the results. I was like, okay, here we go again, because I received so many death sentences from these doctors. Oh, this is not, you're not going to make it. This You're not going to be able to walk again. So I'm like, okay, I'm used to this by now. Go into the office. They tell me, well, it's time to get your affairs in order. Um, okay. I was like, why, why this time? Uh, well, because uh, you have stage four liver damage and uh, we give you about six months to live. And I was looking at them and said, okay, so tell me why I have stage four liver damage. And they actually, the audacity uh, to look at me like I was crazy and say, well, of course, because of all the prescriptions you're taking. And the same ones you guys are telling me I'm going to need the rest of my life that I have no way of surviving without. So <clears throat> that was the day. I gave up on Western medicine, walked out of that office and said, okay, I need to do something different. Otherwise they will be right. I will need that the rest of my life because in six months from now, I won't be here. <laughs> so um, so what I did was, um, so that was part of the liver damage as well. Um, but um, what, uh, what I was able to do, thankfully, was working with some friends, able to help me change my diet, um, get on some supplementation and rein reinvigorate my energetic practices that I learned, you know, that I helped me heal and get out of the hospital like 20 years earlier. And within six months, 
um, and I have the medical records to prove it, and the doctors didn't believe it, my liver functions were back into normal ranges. So I had that going, and I was still on these meds. I could not get off these meds. Yeah, it's, oh. it's remarkable. So what I was able to do is find um, a practitioner who was at that time the president, uh, chairman of MAPS in Canada, multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies, who was able to detox me using ibogaine, iboga, uh, which is famous now or in, the, in these circles for assisting people to get off of narcotics without withdrawals and successful with a success rate that goes beyond just typical detox. Because for long story short, <clears throat> it resets the receptors so that they are to almost pre-opiate use. So they're no longer raw and, and screaming for that, that medication. So the, uh, the recovery rate is much higher. So from that, within 10 days, I was literally off a dozen medications. It's a literally a miraculous uh, situation with, with that. So if anyone is, um, I can also provide some more information later on if people want to contact me about that to get the information. It was the lifesaver for me. And it's not legal here in the States, of course. And so you said you fixed the liver issues yeah. with all those things. Yeah. And then you couldn't get off the prescriptions not because you had tremendous amounts of pain anymore, but because of the opiate addictions Correct. that came from those medications. Correct. Once you did the 10 days getting off of it, mm -hmm. did you have a tremendous amount of pain that came <clears> back <throat> in? It, yes, I did. And I noticed that the amount of the additional amount of pain that I was in was nowhere near what I thought. And, and I recognized that even on these high levels of opiates, they become less and less effective. So they're really not doing that much except for damaging the body. So the Iboga, Ibogaine, was able to help reset those receptors so that there was the ability for the body to heal, the, neuro the neurology to heal, so that I could get the pain levels into manageable uh, levels. So, um, yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was remarkable. And, um, I, I, you know, I just... Uh, I hope that other people could learn from that lesson. You know, there's a lot, lot to learn there with that. Incredible. Yeah. And how many years ago was this? You... This was about eight years ago. Okay. And mm -hmm. then since then, what's been the journey? Okay. <clears throat> so we're off the pain meds. Right. The liver damage is restored. Your liver is functioning well. Mm hmm Okay. Um, so we are, uh, okay, so... I get out of the detox. Um, basically, the next 30 days was a tremendous period of, uh, of adjustment, of course. And I started looking toward uh, different alternative medicine, functional medicine, holistic doctors, and naturopaths to help me rebalance. I mean, it was on a ton of not only narcotics, but antidepressants, anti-anxiety, and a lot of other medications to uh, combat the other side effects. So I was looking for balance there and um, sought out these other, other practitioners where they were doing a lot of blood tests and other different tests to figure out like what the imbalances were and how to correct them. Okay, so you've been through so much. Mm -hmm. You go through all these years mm -hmm. of issues and surgeries and not just death threats, but like sentences to mm -hmm. death from many different doctors and so many failed surgeries, mm -hmm. and then this prescription addiction, mm. and then this liver death sentence, and then fixing the prescription issues right. with this Ibogaine therapy. That's very, not 
not necessarily safe back then. It's safer now, definitely. right? It's mm -hmm. definitely not something like anyone can do right. and you have to be very committed to that path Absolutely. and that process, right? Mm -hmm. For anyone going through anything like this, you, you must have become so aware of certain universal truths and wisdom throughout this process. Mm -hmm. For anyone going through any sort of hardship, what would you say like the first couple things that come to mind that you've really embodied at this point yeah. that that someone could hear that might inspire them or, or help them with whatever they're dealing with right now? Yeah. Whether right. it's physical or emotional or, or whatnot. Mm -hmm. there, there are, I tend to look at um, seeking help from the outside to uh, enable us to empower ourselves and tap into our true internal nature and our true most aligned nature that where within us lie all, all the answers and keeping the um <clears throat> keeping uh that alive and that hope alive and knowing that there is someone out there who's going to be able to help you through this um you may not find that right away but um i mean i'm a perfect example of that just keep going keep going and keeping that highest alignment for your highest timeline in, in vision. Um, uh, visualizations, creative visualizations are super powerful to keep that, that hope alive. And you're really creating that reality through, by your thought and helping you to raise your vibration to align with that highest timeline. Um, and um, helping that whole situation is surrounding yourself with people that really care, that are really there to support you. It's so, so important to keep that, that whole frequency of, uh, of alignment and hope. Did you yeah. have a lot of people in your life that were helping you through this process? <clears throat> I had some really significant people throughout portions of the process that were absolutely vital to, to, uh, to helping me through that. Some amazing friends. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it made, it made all the difference. Mm. When you look in the mirror, do you see yourself as the same person as before all of this? No, definitely not. So I had this experience. Let me just share. This is a kind of a 90 degree turn, but not, not exactly. Mm -hmm. I had this experience where I went to LA last week to go do a project. Uh, very, very cool project. Mm -hmm. Very epic. Been working on it for months. It was a three day shoot, very high level. And I just kind of decided to pull out all the stops and really unload from a media context, which I haven't done in a long time. I haven't taken a media project in a very long time. And I just felt inspired to help this particular project. And once I landed there and I knew I was going to this project. So, you know, I, I did this certification back in the day that took me three years and I had to continuously travel and go get further and further levels of education. And every time I would come back, I'd be working with clients or patients on their injuries and you know healing really extreme problems in their physical body mm -hmm. which of course would result in a lot of other things and every time i'd come back from one of these classes it would feel like a, an entirely different new upgraded version of me would show up and it at first i thought it was the level of education that i had just undergone but really there was like a i felt more confident mm -hmm. and i felt more qualified after every single one and it, my business would jump levels every time I'd go to another class. So I was so inspired to continue to go. And that wasn't the experience of my peers that were also attending. It was just my experience. And as mm -hmm. I would talk about it, everybody else was like struggling in their business and mine just kept 
growing and it was a really interesting experience. And so I kind of had that happen last week when I went to LA and I took this project and noticed that there was, I, I could have sworn, like I fell asleep on the plane and once I woke up on that plane ride an hour later, there was like a different dimension of skip that sort of snuck in mm -hmm. and the other one snuck out. <laughs> and I, I could just tell I felt like 3% different, but that 3% is really noticeable exactly. now because as life increases, it's like every percentage of difference is, it seems dramatic. Mm -hmm. And it almost felt like I had caught someone in a game of some kind where I was like, I'm even thinking different words. I'm using different vocabulary, mm -hmm. slightly different, all subtle differences. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, <clears throat> that could be the multiplying effect um, of you assisting others in that whole high consciousness that was created in that container, uh, elevating you and your multidimensional being in a way that that helps you elevate potential to another potential timeline. Um, that that would be my estimation. Of, you know, that doesn't. We need to break ground. that down. Yeah, <laughs> we right. need to break that down. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so you said multidimensional being. Let's let's yeah. just explore that for mm -hmm. a minute. What, what is a multidimensional being? All right. When we look at everything being energy, um, the uh, we have many dimensions of our. Well, we we have like we we know we have five senses, right? So those five senses are connected to different aspects of our being, um, and what when we speak about the multidimensional being, we have intuition, we have like a psych, everyone has a psychic ability. Everyone has, have, has these different um, aspects of themselves that when enhanced, take on, uh, help them vibrate at a new frequency and higher frequency. So when I say the multidimensional being, we have the physical body, which is at a certain density and frequency and vibration, the mental body, emotional body, and there are other, aspects of our multidimensional being like one of them is referred to as the aura which is at different colors and each color has a different frequency so that being said i mean there's this is a whole science to this yeah so let me slow could, this down for a minute sure, and sure. do a quick exercise with the listeners all right on this. let's do that so when we think about like frequencies and we think about vibrations mm -hmm. something you know when i teach the dojo i talk about electricity mm -hmm. electricity is energy i like to call it electricity so that people have a very clear image in their mind of what I'm discussing okay. so that we can at least start there. Mm -hmm. And muscles vibrate between, you know, one, if you're alive and 120 times a second, mm -hmm. when someone has something like cerebral palsy or seizures, they're actually not shaking faster. They're shaking slower. And that's mm -hmm. why you can see it. Someone who's functioning at a high level, like an athlete is so agile because they're shaking so fast. Their muscles are vibrating yeah. and twitching so quickly that they can have that twitch response to move faster mm -hmm. than other people. So it's, it, that's an interesting mind warp if you haven't heard that before. Now, from an emotional perspective, when we think about vibration, it's actually really easy to feel this. So for everyone who's listening or watching right now, just like imagine a time or imagine something that you know, and again, I said this on a live stream with Steve Jaggers just before you got here, where all emotions are beautiful emotions and experiencing mm -hmm. the depth of being human and just the entire spectrum of emotion and understanding that it's all beautiful. Your grief is beautiful. Your joy is right. beautiful. And when you can, when you can even 
take that understanding temporarily when I say it, it'll already give you a lot of relief mm-hmm. and, and bring you into a more beautiful place. So that being said, let's all willingly choose to go into a state of grief right now. What's something that you can be sad about right now and allow yourself to feel sadness? Hmm. So for me, I had a dear friend who had a heart attack on Sunday. He's alive. That as soon as we were talking about it, my, my throat choked up and I realized like how close him and I have gotten. And I really appreciate him in my life Hmm. at a deep level. And I look forward to so many more experiences, but you know, he could have not been here right now and that would that would suck mm-hmm. so i can feel some grief around that i i hope everyone can allow themselves to feel some level of grief right now and you can just feel what that feels like and even subconscious notice what that did to my voice yeah as i was talking about it and now let's move up to courage let's move up to what's something right now that you're like kind of nervous about but you're also excited about and you know like you could do it and start thinking about what it would be like to make that phone call or to tell that person how you feel or to ask someone to help you with something that you're nervous about asking, but you know they're going to help you, but, but you're nervous anyways. What's something you could be courageous about? Even if it's maybe going to the gym or going for a walk or a run when you know you should, mm-hmm. right? There's courage in that, right? There's willingness there. And now let's move up to, to joy. What's like something that just, you're like, yeah, I'm really excited about that. For me, maybe Keto White Chocolate. Ooh, that Evolve <laughs> brand, Keto White there Chocolate. We go. They also relieved, uh, released, I have some downstairs. I'll share one. And you can frequency test if you let's want. It's that. a white chocolate macadamia collagen <sighs> chocolate. Ooh, so joy, <laughs> joy. And you can hear what happens to my voice as we move through these things. And Mm -hmm. you can kind of go through that spectrum of like grief to willingness and courage to joy, thinking about those different things. And there's a lightness that happens when you move to joy. That's not to say that it's better. Mm -hmm. It's just a different state of being. So when you're saying frequencies and vibrations, I would encourage people to think about this exercise and to think about how one of them feels slower and lower not better or worse and one of them feels a lot more joyful and faster and lighter and if you only ever felt one of those three or on one side of that spectrum life isn't quite as full it's not Mm -hmm. as dynamic and we came here to experience it all exactly exactly so that being said multi-dimensional being so that's a piece of it Mm -hmm. what else are we thinking about here um the uh well really raising vibration and frequency is um it, it gets into also activation of dna and things like that so um that's a whole nother aspect of things but um when i when i think about it <clears throat> since we are like trying to elevate our being our capacity and um, be our you know highest version um the there's the mental work the emotional work like you were just saying and there's the physical work that can help raise that vibration and frequency and um you know some of the work that i do will help people to choose different foods that are a higher frequency and you know how i test these frequencies of things okay let's let's dig into this so if i want to raise my frequency that Mm -hmm. vibration i want to 
bring more of that joy feeling or at least the potential to experience it into mm-hmm. my life. What are food wise? Give me, give me three foods. What do I do? To eliminate is the first okay. thing okay. that so I am finding. The ones. Yeah. Um, that there are uh, significant toxicities in a number of different foods right now that one of them being the most uh, toxic in the whole food supply, which is, I let everybody's going to cringe now. Um, Western gen- GMO wheat. So white flour, unfortunately, pizza and things like that, uh, pastas and things are made of a genetically modified wheat, which has glyphosate, uh, a toxic chemical that's used as a, um, as a, <laughs> so many different reasons in the uh, crop, but that's causing a lot of uh, gut health issues um toxicity a lot of disease and it's really not talked about i don't think as much um so that's one thing to eliminate or just just to try to transition out of there just like the thing about gluten is in my work that i that i do where i'm reading the biofield of people and tuning into the frequencies that their body is putting off to read exactly what is going on as far as the imbalances that they have and I've worked with almost 5,000 people now, I am finding that it's not gluten that's bothering people. It's the wheat um, and the glyphosate. And when people, there are, there's gluten in other grains that don't bother people. So it's not a gluten intolerance. I think that's something that was invented by the powers that be to divert us, divert our attention from the fact that it's GMO wheat that's creating the gut health issues and all the other health issues. So, um, but you can use gluten-free labeling to say, okay, this does not have, you know, the GMO wheat in it. So other substitutes for it are pretty easy to find. <clears throat> and um, dairy cheese is another extremely toxic substance in the food food supply. There's mold toxins. It has hormones, tons of other things that are dairy, like concentrated dairy, which is not really uh, congruent with the human organism to begin with is concentrated in cheese, even though it's one of the most delicious things on, on the planet. Now you said um, dairy cheese. Yeah. Are you also being very particular about that one on purpose? <clears throat> yeah, because there's vegan cheese now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But as what a, about what about yogurt? <clears throat> what about uh, cottage cheese? Yeah, that butter? isn't as bad. Um, butter isn't as bad for some reason, frequency-wise, for most people, and they don't use as much of it. But um, some of these other cheeses are not they're not great but just dairy cheese in general can be um can is is one of the most toxic things that i found from a frequency standpoint and even the high quality versions of it because you also mentioned with the wheat that it's the gmo western yes correct very very good point um by the way our wheat that's generated in this country is banned in more than 30 industrialized nations why? Uh, there's there's a lot of reasons for that, but um, some of the other components of that are that um, the genetic modification has some have shown some uh, that there's an intentional creation of a substance that a gliadin and and people can look this up. And by the way, don't look it up on Google, please. Um, uh, yeah, some, you were mentioning we, this. Yeah. Where, do I, where do we look this okay, stuff up? Okay, Brave Browser, B R A V E. Um, if people want to look for themselves, Google has changed the algorithms for a lot of the health information, makes it a lot more difficult to find what we really need. And to prove that, you can do a search on Google for some health information. 
uh, do the same search on Brave Browser, and you're going to be looking at completely different results. They downplay a lot of the uh, good, the good information, or that helpful and useful information, on Google. But um, <clears throat> taking a look at um, where were we with this now? So. Yeah, something I'm curious about yeah. as well. So well, you mentioned that this GMO Western wheat yeah, yeah. is is primary and glyphosate is <laughs> primarily the issue you're finding. If I want to do this test at home, if anyone wants to do this, what are some other sources of gluten where I can kind of like try it and mm. see like maybe I have noticed, maybe not celiac, maybe these, they shouldn't experiment with this, but right. people who have like a gluten intolerance, mm -hmm. what are the other things that they could try where they're like, oh, well, it, it is fine. Mm -hmm. um, barley, um, some other grains, ancient uh, grains. That, and you find non-GMO versions. Yes, yeah. yes, definitely. And, and bringing that up as well, how can they test that? Um, there's easy ways to do muscle testing. Okay. Um, people can look up on YouTube how to muscle test for themselves. There's one that they call the sway test where they're holding the product to their heart, standing up with their <clears throat> with their feet together, toe, toes at the same um, same length and asking their body, okay, if this is good for me, I'll, I'll lean forward. If this is bad for me, I'll lean backward. And, uh, that can assure them that they're reading their, what their body is saying about the frequency and the resonance of that particular product. Super simple. I have a lot of questions about what you just said. All right. I'm a, I'm imagining mm -hmm. that that muscle test, simple thing you just shared could be used for a lot more than food. Absolutely. So then my question, and this is a question I've had for a very long time, and I, I've asked this question so many times on the show, I just like to hear everybody's opinions, and I, it hasn't quite hit home for me. I don't know if there is a home for this question. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do I separate intuition and fear, or intuition and trauma, or intuition and logic? And so for instance, Let's say I'm doing a similar question and I'm mm -hmm. like, uh, should I date this person, right? And you've got fear, you've you've got a lot of other things in play, mm -hmm. right? With the food, it, it's maybe more simple. I maybe don't have an attachment to like Correct. the quinoa noodles I'm holding and testing, <laughs> right? Like, or maybe you do, you might, right? You I, might. I don't think I do. <laughs> I'm not aware. Maybe not quinoa, but some of these other other snacks might. Yeah, yeah. Like my white chocolate. Yeah, I could, have an attachment. Yeah, I do. I could tell. Yeah, blueberries. If changed. you were like, yo, <laughs> you can't eat blueberries anymore, I'd be like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck this guy. <laughs> All right. So okay. So I know we're we're getting off track here. However, what are your? Can you just teach me about that? How do I? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's much more complex. Uh, it takes practice. Um, even I've been well versed in this and have like leveled up my muscle testing to frequency testing and and developed algorithms that can that can um, surpass those emotions and the different other factors that can get in get into the accuracy or can affect the accuracy of the, uh, of the muscle response. So it takes, a, it takes some practice. It definitely does because we want to measure one variable really at a time. And when the emotion comes into it, it can, it can definitely alter the results. Got it. So I yeah. want to get to a place of neutrality before I test. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then in that scenario, would you also advise people if they're going to try that muscle test with a food thing at home? Yeah. I have two ideas. Number mm -hmm. one, 
we give we have some way to get to neutral before you do the test. Mm -hmm. So there's always things going on in your day. Mm -hmm. It's highly unlikely that any person that's watching or listening or breathing with a heartbeat isn't having some sort of emotional thing happening while they're doing this test. So right. we've got a like what's our what's our ground zero? How do we know when we're out ground zero where we can now do a mm -hmm. test that's unbiased or as unbiased as possible? Yeah, great question. So I just like um, to focus on the heart, to breathe into the heart. If you want to like use a white light, breathing into the heart, just calming. Um, we can do that. And um, when the person has a product that they're going to be testing, they can utilize something to calibrate themselves, basically. So taking something that they know is not good for them, even if you needed to take something that was like, say, a household. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Okay, that's pretty, yeah, that's that's pretty good. But even uh, a household cleaner or something that they know is not fit for the body and use that as a calibration method, okay, so they know that the body is responding in the proper way if they ask for it to lean backward, if that's no good for them, and it does lean backward, gives this. them a little confidence. Such a pro tip. Okay. <laughs> I love this. Okay, so grab uh -huh. something that I know is bad. Yeah. Yeah, that and, I know is bad. Yeah, and, and you just can calibrate. make sure it's it's doing it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then grab something I know is great. That's correct. Yeah, and so, you know, that being said, like, what is great? Can you give me some things, such as examples? Um, there are some bottled water that that is really good, like like this. There we go. Okay, you, that is the best bottled water frequency wise in the U.S. Mountain Valley Spring Water. Yeah. Okay, so <coughs> grab this. See if mm -hmm. it's good. Could I Absolutely. also grab like maybe like a book? I, and that would help me calibrate. It, it's 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 much easier for the body to pick up on a frequency of a product. Something that's like live. <clears throat> yeah, well, alive, and also um, the words on the page do have a frequency, and mm. the, the energy of that message has a frequency. What's the highest frequency book you've tested? Ah, uh, okay. I haven't tested a lot of high frequency books. I, I haven't tested a lot of books to begin with, but we can we can definitely get into it. Got a, I've got a whole bookshelf down. I'm going to go grab a couple. Right All right, let's do it. Okay, so I'm here with Ron. I've gotten a bunch of books, and some of these I've planted because I feel like they're going to have higher frequencies. And that being said, it's almost like, yeah, it's just a really interesting idea of like checking your own body to mm -hmm. see how these things work for you again maybe mm -hmm. once that you're in that place of neutrality and then this is your i like how you said calibration right definitely okay so this book i have loved it so much it is the only book i ever personally narrated wow. so i could listen to my own voice reading it because i couldn't find an audible version of it wow that's powerful please okay. i have some emotional attachment to this book. okay so the book is it. the science of getting rich by wallace d waddles so I can test this for you. I can test this for the general public. Let's do general public. Okay. 95. Okay. What's so the highest? 99 is the highest. Okay. Uh, here's a Wayne Dyer book, <coughs> Happiness is the Way. I figure a lot of people might already mm. own that. Mm. 92. Okay. The Tao Te Ching. Oh, 99. Wow. Okay. Mm. Divine Magic. This is a, a version of the Hermetic Principles, the like Kabbalion. Mm, again, these are for... Testing for general, general population. Yep. Yep. 87. Okay. So not as, I mean, mm -hmm. still great, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Journey mm -hmm. of Souls. This one's pretty intense. I'm sure you're mm -hmm. familiar. Oh, yeah. If you're not in that book. <laughs> Maybe. 92 again. Okay. 
And then Vision's new book, The Six Phase Meditation Method. 93. Okay. And The Four Hour Work Week, something I hope everybody uh, has. Yeah. 95. Okay. Wow. So if you're going <laughs> to use something, maybe grab a Tao Te Ching, mm -hmm. and that could be a really interesting example of what a high vibration book feels like mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. reads like. Exactly. And the vocabulary used and the phraseology of it, right? And then we've got all those other ones as well. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably cut the in-betweens and just like rattle off numbers on these different books. But okay. so as an example, Tao Te Ching, high vibration. Perfect. Love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we can get to a place of neutrality. Mm -hmm. We can breathe white light into our hearts. Yes. Just get to a place where hopefully we're shedding emotions away from it before we do this calibration. Mm -hmm. Then we choose something bad, say M&Ms. Yeah. And we, we pull it near our heart. We say, lean forward if it's good for me, lean forward if it's not good for me right lean, now. Lean backward if it's not good, mm -hmm. lean forward if it is good. Yep. Mm -hmm. And then we grab something that we know is good. And mm -hmm. so this is how we're calibrating our neutrality. Right. 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 And so something we know is good could be something like this. Mm -hmm. Or what, what are, what's a food source that we could grab that most people might have mm -hmm. or could get? It's That's going to be really super high vibe. Um, other than Mountain Valley water. Yeah, the water is really good because it has memory in it. It really, since we're made of so much water, um, it's the easiest thing to calibrate to. Um, okay, so general recommendation. That is, Have yeah. a bottle of this around for these calibrations. <clears throat> yeah, it, it's so worth it because then you know you're using the same thing all the time and your body actually ah, gets used okay, to so that. Okay, so the consistency might be really important. Absolutely. Okay, so then I really like the idea of a book. Mm-hmm. And mm -hmm. then what would be a low vibe thing I could keep around that is going to be consistent that I can use as a calibration tool? Um, so, uh, like I was saying before, a household cleaner oh, okay. that everyone has. Perfect. Um, so like a anything from Walmart, that's a household cleaner. Yeah. Okay. WD-40. Yeah, that too. Yeah, of Perfect. course. Things okay. like that. Pest control. Oh, absolutely. Like a, like a spray thing that kills mm -hmm. things, right? Yeah. Perfect. So I keep yep. one of those and I keep Dada Ching around. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And then if I were to put one of those near my bed, like maybe just keep this. I that would probably me. be. Yeah, just put it in my idea. back. Maybe get seven copies and place yeah. it in every room of my house. Yeah. Am I getting Can weird make a now? little grid yeah. out of it. Could totally yeah. be a thing. Okay. Okay. Cool. So that's that's really interesting. And then we can start to once we have established neutrality mm -hmm. and then done our calibrations then we can ask a question about something mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. and then if we feel ourselves getting emotional in the in the testing maybe we need to reset yeah and then instead of visualizing white light in my heart could i visualize melted evolved white chocolate going into my heart let's that... test that <laughs> okay 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 thank you thank you for that we'll, we'll, so we'll let that go now let's talk about eyes so you do yes. iridology you take <clears throat> really intense photos of mm -hmm. people's eyes and mm -hmm. then you look at those photos up close and yeah. you zoom in like crazy mm -hmm. to figure out what's going on mm -hmm. now i know there's a few general principles that you've taught me in the past right so for instance in the whites of our eyes mm -hmm. if we're very bloodshot what mm -hmm. could that be an indicator of? There in the corner of the eye, which is very typical. The that's inside in, corner or yeah, either corner? Yeah, I'm sorry, inside corner. Okay. <clears throat> there is um that is where what represents the pancreas. By the way, the in there is an iridology chart online that everybody can take a look at. And um Is there a recommended website for that? Um yeah, so Jensen's chart is online. And what iridology, the principles of iridology, which have been used for thousands of years, um, indicate is that the entire nervous system is represented by an area in the iris, in the colored part of the eye. 
So there's an area for liver, uh, thyroid, pancreas, and all the organs and glands. And um, when there are changes there, different differences in colors, some markings and things, it can, to the trained eye, indicate changes that are going on internally. And this has you know, been, like I said, a practice that's been used for thousands of years in Eastern traditions. And it's so non-invasive and it's so incredibly accurate that, um, of course, it's not used here too much in the U.S. because that would be, uh, uh, would prevent, you know, lots of tens of thousands of dollars worth of tests being able to be, you know, spent on uh, arriving at the same result. But um, people can look at that chart and take a look at their eye and um, and see the different areas where there is changes in their eye. And that could mean um, that there are changes going on in the body, at, in that area of the body. So like you just said, the uh, redness in the corner of the eye, that represents pancreas. And many people, especially younger pe people, uh, a little bit younger, have been exposed to high fructose corn syrup, GMO sugars, and super, super uh, high amounts of processed foods that are affecting pancreas. And that corner of the eye uh, will definitely show some inflammation or redness, puffiness uh, on a regular basis that typically indicates is some stress on the pancreas. Okay. And then what would be the easiest thing to do? What can I subtract and what can mm. I add? Mm. Okay. Great question. <clears throat> Sugars are not easy to subtract. So we need to really keep an eye on that. Sugars, are there sugars that are better? <clears throat> natural sugars, fruit sugars can be better. There's a, that opens up a whole new, um, you can kind of test for yourself, like which sugars yeah. may not be as volatile for your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. I've noticed no matter what kind, like any sort of brown sugar for my body is like absolute no. Yeah, mm -hmm. definitely, definitely. Um, so when you're trying to take stress off the pancreas, when you have a condition like that, from my experience, eliminating as much sugar as possible to enable, to take that stress off, to enable the, uh, the body to recover uh, is the best situation possible that you can create. Okay. And then you mentioned a yellowing in the whites oh, of the yeah. eyes. Mm -hmm. What does that indicate? <clears throat> All right, so the different colors represent different um, stresses, and yellowing means a stress on kidneys. And that's so, primarily yellowing on the whites, or is it also in, inside inside the, the eye, inside okay. the color color part of the eye? So that that would be uh, brown means a stress on liver, orange is stress on pancreas, and there are different things like that. And yellow is what? Uh, kidney. Okay, stress mm -hmm. on the kidneys. Yeah. Now, when it, you have eyes like mine, mm -hmm. where I'm, I'm pretty sure since birth, I have yellow in my eye, mm -hmm. but it's it's symmetrical. It's on both. It's fully. Is that should I be worried? No, that that can be that is inherited in a sense that um, through the heredity, uh, there are certain stresses that were on the ancestors, and also some chemical, not chemical like toxic chemical, but chemical uh, stress that has been passed down will show up there, even at birth. So to, um, genetically, there are only brown eyes and blue eyes, and some iridologists don't agree with this, but this is genetically the fact. So when a person comes in with green eyes, yeah, there's that's a shade uh, of blue because of different heredi heredity uh, factors there. Okay, so what's really interesting is I've also noticed other people, and especially my own eyes, will change color based on my surroundings mm -hmm. and even the clothes that I wear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, that that is a reflection of what's going on in the environment, of course, and that won't affect what the eye is reading as far as what's going on in in the body um, when you have a when you are trained to look at that type of thing. Okay. Yeah. Is there a way, like if I'm just going in the mirror and looking mm -hmm. because of this really interesting interview, is there a way also to get to neutral with those types of things before I look? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay, no. so you just have to be trained to yeah. know what's legit and what's mm -hmm. not as legit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are there anything else? So, so the yellowing, mm -hmm. you've got brown spots. You said blue as well. Um, not blue, but not blue. Okay. there's... Um, Blue eyes, just genetically, we start out with blue eyes or brown eyes. Um, and the changes that occur to change colors like that have to do with uh, different hereditary... Hereditary, hereditary <laughs> yeah, environmental and chemical things. Definitely. Are there yeah. any other major things I should be looking for? Yeah, many people have... Um, so when you look at the chart, the outside of the color part, the very outside represents skin just inside of that represents the limb system. And many of us, because of the environmental stresses that we're under right now, have a little bit of darkness there um, between the color part and the white of the eye. And typically when we are in full alignment and perfectly um, cleansed, um, that dark circle does not exist there. So when that exists, that means there's stress in the lymph system um, and a detox is really a good idea. For most of us, I, I think, due to the environmental factors that we're experiencing right now, something, a gentle detox on a daily basis, taking something that helps clean the gut and the liver will help detox the lymph system. So are there any take a look at. habits we could take on that would help with lymph <clears throat> detox? The, um, the foods we're eating, I've, I'm finding the highest re ROI, return on investment of our time, attention, energy, and finances, of course, is to choose the foods that we're eating much more carefully. When we continue, like when we talked about with wheat, continue to add toxins on a daily basis, that that is just never going to allow the body to catch up to that and then to do the cleanse. So we need to first be choosing foods uh, that are supportive of us, that don't have those toxins. The second most important thing that I think is really being overlooked today is the quality of our water. If we're drinking tap water, that can be one of the highest ROI activities that we can have is to shift the, the quality of the water that we're drinking. Because without clean water, our body is not gonna be able to flush out these toxins. Okay, yeah. and I know I skipped over something earlier, I just remembered. So we've got GMO, westernized wheat, <clears throat> gluten, <clears throat> right? But wheat. Yes, correct. And then you mentioned all dairy. Yeah. There's a third one, and I, I know what it is, and I'm, I'm nervous for them to hear it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm this sorry is a surprise in advance. One. Yeah, so this is a surprise to many people that I work with. Bananas. Um, bananas are even organic bananas brought into this country. If you go to outside the country, if you're in South America and Costa Rica, bananas are fine. They are treated here. Uh, with a chemical to ripen them, and a ripening agent. And this can be looked up. Um, and later on, maybe when you give a link or something, I can have some of this information, give people links if they want to look this up and go directly to the source. Um, they are treated with a chemical that generates acetylene gas. I couldn't believe this myself when I, when I first discovered it. <clears throat> that gets into the fruit and creates a, a toxin that absolutely not one human being can can tolerate and this 
this causes because uh, a lot of people eat bananas thinking it's a healthy snack and it's got potassium and this and that. Um, but uh, that that factor just makes it so toxic that it continues to congest the digestive system. So that's something that completely off the table if you want to get healthy again. Now, the feeling that you have listening to this right now, we're back in grief. So again, quickly, let's move to courage and willing and then back up to joy. Okay, we're good. Okay, we'll move We'll move forward now. We've had our grief for bananas. I'm going to miss right. bananas. Yeah, yeah. Okay. If I'm living so, on like a remote island and there's bananas growing in a tree, I can grab those. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now just I, a, <laughs> I'm going to plant a banana tree. There we go. <laughs> so right? I can get bananas. <laughs> It's um, just the treatment that they have. They're putting cold storage, and, and when they're ready to send to market, this uh, chemical is used to accelerate the ripening process. And, and that's bananas are good in general, but the way they're, they're, the way they're processed yeah. here. Even the organic ones, that's crazy. Yeah, we need to start a banana it? company. There we go. Okay. Right. That being said, before I, before I wrap up, I mean, there's so much. I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours Definitely. here. But there's this idea that you mentioned earlier that I really want to hit on. And it's about this like whole conversation around frequencies and energies mm -hmm. and vibration. And the thing is, some things are lower vibration, lower frequency. A lot of the times, not all, maybe not a lot, but there's oftentimes in every human's life where there's certain things of those like lower vibrations or lower frequencies we cannot avoid. Mm -hmm. there's, there's no way to not do it or not be around those things or those people or that water or whatever have you, right? And similar to you with your your liver or kidney damage, liver, yeah. liver damage, you were able to do a lot of these frequency things internally that were able to not just get you to neutral, but get you to a, a high functioning place without having to change the medications yet that right. you were on, right? Mm -hmm. So even though something is low frequency, it does not mean that you can't ever have it it means that it's going to consistently be something that is that is pulling the frequencies down. Absolutely. But there's a lot of other things you can do to pump the frequencies up, right? Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, if everything is energy, mm -hmm. then can we really differentiate between good and bad or high and low? Because it's all part of the same energy, right? Mm -hmm. Now, you might have to train for a long time to transmute the energy of something quote unquote low frequency mm -hmm. to that higher frequency. Right. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is a point where if you are doing a lot of these things, well, you could consume pretty much anything and it's going to metamorphosis into a beautiful frequency or energy. Is that true? Um, that's another whole podcast. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't believe we have the capacity to do that yet. Um, and that requires so much energy that it require it would take a lot less energy just to make the right choices for the inputs. And then we could use that additional energy to elevate ourselves to, to reach higher capacities even there. Um, I'll give you a personal story about yeah. this that freaked me out. Mm hmm. I developed a dairy or whey intolerance mm -hmm. when I was back in the day. I was a trainer and I was consuming a lot of that. And then I went to, over the years, I just noticed the dairy intolerance got worse and worse and worse, no matter what quality it was, no matter what type of dairy it was. And then I went to Joe Dispenza, did a week-long retreat, felt you know better. Mm -hmm. The first one wasn't crazy. The second one was crazy. But the first one, I was like, oh, okay, I feel like more grounded. That was nice. And then I 
accidentally ordered a pizza from a place I normally do, but I normally get the dairy-free cheese, whatever. I didn't get it. It's actually Mickey Agarwal's place in New York oh, yeah. City, wild. So it was grass-fed cheese, but I had the regular cheese and didn't realize it until I'd finished the whole pizza. And I was like, oh, no, I'm in for a really bad night because mm-hmm. it, would, it would be like gas and like just horrible. I'd be on the toilet the whole night, all that. Nothing happened. And this was a week after the Joe Dispenza retreat, mm-hmm. uh, doing all of this like meditation and high frequency, yeah. beautiful feelings. And you're really right. living in joy, living in, in bliss. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Whoa, I had never experienced something like that. Mm-hmm. I'd never experienced actually an intolerance getting better that quickly mm-hmm. from being in a positive emotional state for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. So that was my first like peep into that doorway of potentially being able to do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just want to clarify my answer was, <clears throat> I don't think we're in a addicts, uh, in general, a capacity where we can transmute all like really bad food all the time into something that's really beneficial for us without a tremendous amount of energy, more energy than it would take to then just make better decisions. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's to be clear about that. We have unlimited, the human potential is completely unlimited, untapped, and I don't even think we can wrap our conscious mind around how much potential we have. So, yeah, I'm all about that. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you Thank for you. that clarification. I'm sure. excited for that day. Yeah. I'm excited for that day. You're Thank a living you. example of this. So Thank you, brother. It's fascinating. Now, when people fall in love with you during yeah. this, and they are so about it, and all of my most high achieving, high performing, high vibe friends work with you one on one. And even uh, Stephanos and Christine, yes, who have been on the show, and their baby, Athena, yes. is working with you. Yes. I mean, that's mind blowing what she's going to become. <laughs> she's amazing. When she's, she's a superpower. <laughs> got these she's crazy, great. and I noticed it too. Like when I was over there and we were recording Christine's episode, and I was like, you're, I mean, like all babies are beautiful. Mm-hmm. She, I can feel it from that baby. Like I can feel like she's my boss in the future. She is. You know, she's very bossy. I'm she's and she knows her stuff. She, she's incredible. Her her as a as like a five month old. Her energy is incredible. Yes, she really is. And her smile. Uh, anyways, mm-hmm. so that all being said, when they fall in love with you and mm-hmm. when they want to learn so much more, are they able to? Like how do they how do they digitally stalk you? Can they okay. email you website? What do they do? Yeah, Quantum Formulas on Instagram. Um, there's at a, Quantum Formulas. Yeah, at Quantum Formulas. Um, there, the link in the bio will take them to a bunch of different free offers and how we can work together and what other plans there are for me to help people elevate and optimize. Even if they're already doing an optimization program, what I'm able to do is help them activate the untapped intelligence of the body. And going back to Joe Dispenza, um, he speaks about the conscious mind being five to 10% of our intelligence. Now, when we look around us, the entire world, including the medical system, including the supplements and all the naturopathic and et cetera, systems have been created with only five to 10% of our intelligence. So what I'm able to bring to the world through this experience that I had healing myself is to uh, tap into and activate that other 90 to 95% of our intelligence and help clients to understand exactly what is required to help them level up, whether they're into biohacking and the gene therapy, et cetera, et cetera. We can still elevate even that into quantum 
quantum levels, and that's why I call it quantum formula. So we're actually coming up with a way to, I think the ultimate biohack is really activating the other portions of our uh, untapped intelligence in the body. So quantum formulas, yeah, we could take it from there. Wow. Well, thank you for all of this epic information. Thank you. And I'm sure there's just mountains more of it. Yeah. But thank you for coming on the show and, and entertaining my questions. Yes, absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, brother.